0: Hey, welcome to Life in the Leadership Lane. I'm your host, Bruce Waller, where I get to talk to leaders that are making a difference in the workplace and in our communities. What did they do to get started? And what are they doing to stay there? And oh my goodness, we have another special guest today as I'm getting to talk to Denny Laney. Denny, well, she's the Vice President of Human Resources at Associa, and she also serves on the volunteer team for the HR Southwest Conference. And Denny, I'm so excited to have you on the show. How are you doing? I'm really good. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. I love starting this show reflecting. I was thinking about a couple of things. And uh, first and foremost, we've known each other for a long time, Uh, but I remember the first time I met you, and I want to see if you remember this. (laughs) It was at the Plano Mayor's Internship Conference. Do you remember that event? I do. Yeah, I, I, I had a chance to like MC that event and you were one of the panelists. Absolutely. Yeah, that was I remember you being there. I didn't realize that was the first time that that we yeah. met. Yeah. Well, that may not have been the first time, but that was a memorable time. And I remember thinking, oh man, Denny's got incredible energy. I just <laughs> love that. I want to get to know her more. And then of course we recently saw each other at Cindy Lou's Toast for a Cure event, uh LLS yeah. fundraiser. That was a great event, wasn't it?
1: It was amazing, more amazing than I would have even imagined because I was very much so looking forward to it, but it turned out to be like a wonderful, wonderful event.
0: Yeah, that was, I, I love that because I was able to connect with a lot of people who I have seen and I've talked to, but I haven't seen them face to face in so long. And just to get a chance to everybody connect. And it was all for that one cause. It was just like, it felt bigger, uh, just bigger than an event, didn't it? It really, really did. Absolutely. Yeah, you yeah. couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Sandy Lou is fantastic. And yeah. Hey, I want to, I, I want to get into this, but I want people okay. to know that are listening for those who don't know about associate, I would love for you to just share a highlight of your company and, and how you serve your customers.
1: Okay. Absolutely. So associate is a community management company. So ultimately we manage hundreds of HOAs across the country. Mm. So we're one of the biggest in in the business, in the community management business. Um, I didn't know this business existed uh, a year and a half ago, but it's been a fun ride and we serve our customers. Our customers would be, our clients would be um, the board members of the HOAs. However, I've always come up, you know, under the expectation that if you're not serving the guest, which I'm not, then I need to be serving someone who is. So my customers have always been, you know, my internal community of employees in any organization.
0: I love that. I yeah. love that because because the uh, customer can be not just the external, but the internal right. customer just as important. I love that. I appreciate you sharing that. Hey, uh, like I said, I, I've known you for a little while. I bet there's yeah. some things I don't know Uh, about you and and those that are Mm -hmm. listening would love to hear the Denny Laney story like where did you grow up and how in the world did you get into HR and leadership yeah that's a great question so I grew up in restaurants
1: so I was in restaurant operations and I always had a desire and um, was involved in training whether it was you know new team member training or you know I I just always really loved that. And I happened to be in the backyard of a very big organization. And I wiggled my way into the training department of um, Brinker International, specifically Macaroni Grill, um, where I spent almost 20 years coming up through, um, you know, starting with training new restaurant openings. I opened several Macaroni Grills um, and then leadership development. And that really started to shape my path into HR.
0: I love that. Oh my gosh. You know, I've had several Brinker, I think they yes. Brinker heads uh, yes. on the show. I just, uh, Kelly Valade was on the show yes. recently yes. Uh, who was there for a long time. Uh, Tony Bridwell, Roseanne Garza. I mean, there's more. Yes. I just, those are just the first one. Diane Sanford. Those are just some that uh, came to mind. That's, yeah. that's fantastic. So, okay. So tell me like what, what about after that?
1: All of those folks, by the way, are, um, a part of my career path. So it's fascinating that you say that. And growing up at Brinker provides a very rich playground of leadership development and growth and learning. And so it's always been encouraged. So I had an opportunity to move over to Motel 6, G6 Hospitality, which is Motel 6 Studio 6. A life changer for me. Obviously, I had been growing up at Brinker, and I went over to uh, Studio Six and learned a lot. That was my first introduction to uh, a culture that was different than than anything I had ever known before. So it was a great opportunity to grow, learn, and try to navigate in a space that was was brand new to me. You know, I'm a forever longtime learner, and so it was just one of the best opportunities that I had in my career and really started to shape things. I jumped back into restaurants for another couple of minutes uh, after that, before coming here to Associate, where I really did want to change lanes and, you know, expand into a different industry. And this has really given me the opportunity to do that here.
0: I love that. Well, I I think that uh, one thing that I think is a common thread that high performers are continuous learners. And so when you talk about- and curious. Yes,
1: I mean you have to be curious or there isn't any growth or any any learning. So um that that's something that I really admire when I see that in others when they're curious it energizes me.
0: Well, I'm curious. Where did like did you grow up in Dallas or no. where did you where <laughs> did you grow up at?
1: I am from the middle of nowhere Michigan and literally <laughs> My stoplight blinks. I went and got a degree um, at Western Michigan University in fine arts of all things. I was a dancer on cruise ships. My husband was the piano player. He's from Dallas. So when we got off ships, I moved here with him. And we've been together 32 years, I think.
0: That is fantastic. (laughs) You know, I just took my first cruise to Alaska. Okay. And we took a... I think the Royal Caribbean. And it was, I really hadn't really had a desire to take a trip on a cruise, but my brother and uh, his wife invited us and it was fantastic. (laughs) We had such a great time. I didn't realize that. That's fantastic. I find that people like there are cruisers and
1: then there are I don't like to do cruises kinds of <laughs> kinds of people, but, um, if it, if it's your thing, it is, um, definitely an experience and living on cruise ships was also an experience. I was oh. just out of college. So mm. I, you know, I was, I was young and, and good with whatever came my way, but it was um, a magical experience for sure.
0: I love that. I tell people all the time. It was like floating on a five-star hotel. Yes. It was the best experience ever. And I just loved it. And everybody working on the ship was like delivered this five-star experience. They just loved what they did. It was fantastic. You know, I've had another guest from Michigan, Mary Dale uh, uh, HR leader from Michigan as well. And so I have never been to Michigan. Like I have this bucket list of these areas of the different States that I want to, I'm trying to hit all 50 States and I'm about 15 away and Michigan's still one of those uh, states. Do you ever get back? You,
1: you have to go like on this side, don't go on this side, go on the, this is really pretty up here. And that's how everybody does the States. This is a really good side. So stay on Lake Michigan. (laughs) Um, I love that. I get back there all the time. I have uh, uh, a family that is all they live within five miles of each other. And mm. my niece lives across the street from my brother. I've got awesome. a niece and four nephews and seven greats. Um, so I will be there in just
0: a couple of weeks. I love that. Well, let me ask you this. I always like to talk about purpose. I mean, here you are, you, you, you know, you're advanced in your, your career. You're doing some amazing things, but I always like to ask, was there like a moment when you, I don't know you, found your calling, you found your lane, uh, your purpose uh, in your career. Was there a moment or were the moments?
1: There were moments.
0: I think, you know, kind of to your point about
1: the cruise ship or coming up in restaurants, obviously in order to be successful or happy in that capacity, there has to be a desire to serve others, right? Mm. Because that's all you're doing all of the time. And quite thanklessly sometimes in the restaurant industry. After, after my husband and I it became very clear for us that children weren't going to fit into our side of things. So as my niece and nephews were coming up, I went through, this is funny. I, I went through this um, generational training at, at Brinker and uh, generational differences. It was kind of the beginning of when people were starting to talk about that because this was a very long time ago. I started practicing that content on my niece and nephews. And it was like working for, for a lack of a better term, but they were responding to me in a very real, like authentic way. And it kind of dawned on me like, okay, I could, I could start applying this stuff because, you know, we all go through so much leadership development and training and concepts and models and tools. It clicked for me that the application of those things really worked I think was when I started finding my interactions with people more meaningful Mm. because I was able to practice some very, um, very simple, in many cases, models or, you know, using tools that were uh, provided to me. And, you know, that was really kind of the moment that it, that it switched. If you really do these things, it, it really does change the lives of the people that you're interacting with.
0: I love that. You know, I I wrote down. Uh, you have to have a desire to serve others. Mm-hmm. My uh, form, my late uncle, he always said. You know, he was a football coach, and he always said, "I can issue your football pads, your helmets, your cleats. I can issue you everything you need, but desire." Yep. And you know, and and when you said that. I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, okay, so I love how you said, you know, you've kind of cracked that, cracked that code, right? Mm -hmm. You've been able now, all of a sudden you're able to connect in a different way for those listening. Like, I don't know what was one of those tools or maybe one of those tips that helped you because there's probably some people right now going, I need to figure out how to communicate or connect with a different generation. And maybe it's a young generation, uh, connecting with the older generation.
1: You know, I I think the generational piece is still very much so at play. Mm-hmm. Um I think people centric folks like myself, when I think about you know all of the tools are running through my head, Oz principles changed my life. Tony Bridwell. he was um, at Brinker much much uh, later than I. Mm-hmm. but he was my uh, partners in leadership Oz facilitator. Mm-hmm. That was a game changer for me um both personally and professionally because that concept you know it's you know to see it own it solve it do it from an accountability perspective but there's also um a results pyramid and it really speaks about people's beliefs and all you need to do is create experiences that give them the belief that you'd like them to have mm. so that that's a really powerful tool uh strengths finder is is mm. a big part of my um coming up and you know the important thing about any of these things is like I say in the application so understanding your your strengths that's great but Mm -hmm. what does that mean both personally and professionally for example I have a lot of influencing strengths in fact woo is my number one strength Mm -hmm. which is not a people strength it's an influencing strength so Mm -hmm. I i I'm happiest when I'm working and communicating and, and all things with people, with and through people. So um, yeah, those are just a few that, that come to mind. All of them are good. It's just a matter of, you know, finding where it fits into or is relevant to what you do.
0: Yeah. I love, I love all that. I, when you're talking about awareness, I think that's one of the most important things. When I started becoming a more aware of my strengths, I remember uh, years ago when I was a young manager, I remember the, I, I just got out of college and I was working in operations and, and I think the general manager was trying to figure out where, where to track, you know, set me on a track. He said, Hey, Bruce, are you more operations or more sales? And I said, well, you know, and I didn't, I wasn't aware. And I said, well, you know, I'm kind of a a little of both. And he set me on, I'm I'm balanced, right? And he set me on an operations track and it was great. I mean, I learned operations for, you know, eight years and then I moved over to the sales side and that's really when I started accelerating. And so sales may have been, but if I didn't have the operations, it wouldn't have set me up, right?
1: Exactly what I was going to say. Yes, it's. um, I I call myself op-centric. I don't know if that's a word. I made it up,
0: (laughs) but I I love it.
1: And and I think that that's probably has a lot to do with. Well, number one, coming up through operations of some sort, but um, I think it has a lot to do with how I was developed at Brinker because they were so op-centric. So I have found myself in situations since Brinker where operations doesn't quite know what to do with partnering with the people side of the business. So um I've used my influencing skills in in some ways as I've um got myself partnered up with operations because that's how I work. I I partner with with them so that you know people are successful in regards to delivering on the results the organization wants. So yeah,
0: for sure. Op- for sure.
1: Operations is my is my lane for sure.
0: I love that. I love that. Hey I want to real quick ask you maybe uh were there a couple of People you mentioned there were several people at, at Brinker. Were there a couple of people that kind of stood out as mentors that have helped you get to where you are today? Yeah, I don't I don't know if we can if we can <laughs> do it.
1: Um you know I wouldn't I wouldn't want to have, have gone it alone um to mm-hmm. say. I That'd I be. think, you know, if I think about the changing lanes from operations into training, um, my first corporate leader was uh Leslie Smith. She was the director of training. I have no idea why she brought me to the mm. office. <laughs> I mean, what I I I mean, I don't know what I would have done without her. Um, and then yeah, I I, you know, along the way, I had leaders again, you know, at Macaroni Girl, there's so much mentorship just by the nature of the types of people that worked mm. at Brinker. Um, yeah, I had uh, a gentleman, John Reale, who was the president of Macaroni Grill, he really started to shape the way I would maneuver in my career because of the partnership with people and operations. I love that. So without him, I might not have ever known how how to navigate in that way. Tony Bridwell, he's my mentor and hero, as I always say. My president at Muya, when I went back into the restaurant business after Motel 6, um, we had partnered together at macaroni grill and then he was the president at Mooyang. You know, he brought me over yeah. because he wanted to bring forward some of those things that, you know, we came up with. So yeah, you, you, you can't do it alone. My current, my current boss is, is a real mentor to me. And Um, you know, I'm thankful for, for the opportunity to work with her as well. I
0: love that. I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah. I I think that's the common thread for uh, leaders um, that are really making impact is that they all talk about, they couldn't do it alone. They have people Mm -hmm. that have helped them along the way. And I like to talk about that. Number one, I, I love to hear guests share this information, but I also think it's important for people that are listening to say, Hey, you know what? You've got to develop, a network. You've got to get some people around you to uh, either mentor or mentee or both and just be part of that, be part of that process. Hey, let's shift over to leadership. I want to talk leadership. Uh, when someone says, Denny, what's leadership to you? How, how would you respond to that? Leadership to me really
1: has to do with showing up for people mm. in a way that they need you to show up and having that sense of awareness about the impact that you're having on the lives of others. I read a statistic recently that was so interesting about about my well-being at work. Like 77% of people say that that is a direct reflection of their leader. Mm. You know, sometimes I think leaders don't know what, you know, what they are to those that they lead and I think having that awareness and being deliberate in the experience you're giving to those that you're leading so that they can be their best selves, both personally or professionally, whatever, whatever they desire that, you know, that, that I do what I can to help them get to where it is they want to be, um, is really leadership for me is just being there for, for them in the way that they need Mm. at any given, you know, any
0: given time. I love that. Showing up for people. Write that down. If you're listening right now, get your journal out, get your pen out, write that down. I love Mm -hmm. that. 77% of well-being is a direct reflection of a person's leader. I would agree with that. And I'll tell you, when I took my job, uh, I'm going on 20 years at Armstrong. And when I took that job, I remember thinking um, I wanted to work for the leader that, that was that. So I had a couple of different things that were important to me, but one of them was to be surrounded by good people and be reporting to a great leader. And so uh, I agree with all of that. And I think that's probably why we're on a mission to help others.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I've said to, um, to many leaders before, just please be thinking about what is it like to be on the receiving end of you Mm. at any given moment? what, Does it feel like to be on the receiving end of you?
0: Mm.
1: And if you're thinking about that, whenever you're with, you know, maybe you recognize your stress level is, you know, getting higher or you're getting frustrated, but still, what is it like to be on the receiving end of you? We can all relate to that.
0: I love that. I want to. I want to shift real quick to. You know, we talked about changing lanes. A lot of times, we talk about changing lanes. Maybe it's in transition. Maybe it's in development. Hey, we need to get better at something. But I want. I want to. I want to focus on uh, just that. That. That perspective. I, maybe even transformation is where this would fall into play. But uh, when it comes to perspective, like you just talked about, hey, we need to think of things differently how can someone like we have all this stuff we we have to do? I mean, you're, you're busy. We're all so busy. We have so much to do. What's a, I don't know, maybe what's a tip that you've done or you've seen others do, or that you share with people. How can you like change lanes, change your mindset, change perspective on the way you view others? That's a, that's a great question. I think some, some of us might never get there.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's really a choice. And mm. you know, this is this is what I I say, you know, you have to care. You know, if I'm talking with one of my employees about a challenging leader that they have at one of their branches, let's just say, and I kind of take a step back and go, do they care? Because mm. if they don't care, then this point is probably moot and and, you know, there's not gonna be a lot of mindset change or there's not gonna be a lot of a lot of growth, you know. I think listening, being a really good listener and letting people feel heard and Mm -hmm. making sure that they feel seen is, is helpful because without trust there, there is no real belief that what I, Mm. what, what I need to do, um, or my thinking needs, needs to change. And so, you know, I'm really big on building, you know, that trust of safety
0: I love that. Hey, I want to ask you this. As you were sharing that, I, I think about one of the things I'm we're hearing a lot about right now is feeling a sense of belonging. Yes. And you know, is when people were maybe come up to you, or maybe there's some listeners out there right now, they they want to feel like they belong to something bigger. Like, I don't know what, what's what's some perspective that you that you share. Like, how can they change lanes? I mean, I guess the question is going to be, how do they know whether they need to change their perspective? Or change their mindset, or maybe they just need to change their 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 job or what they're doing. Any thoughts around that?
1: I I do. So when I think about, you know, feeling a part of something bigger, I believe it's really important for leaders to help connect people to what they're doing as it relates to a bigger purpose. So, you know, I don't know if you're, you know, serving an HOA board or you're serving you know, uh, a customer who's ordering a burger or whatever those things are, there's there's got to be a bigger, more global picture of how I fit into to this, and how what I'm doing serves others and is important to an organizational, you know, um, mission, vision, values, tying mm. tying that. Those can be really powerful things if they're really in play you know, they can be buzzwords too, but if you really do have a mission and bringing people along and how they fit into, um, being a part of that mission, I think is, is really, you know, powerful and valuable for, for people.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think that's important. I think people are just trying to figure out how to like feel connected to something bigger. Like I feel like I'm part of something bigger. And, you know, you mentioned, uh, values and, you know, we all have the values on our walls, but how can we relate those values and share those stories to where people can really feel that, 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 that sense of, you know, uh, I don't know you community. Sure.
1: Community. That's a, that's a, that's a great word. You know, and I, I really encourage leaders to, to the point of community is to really get connected outside of Mm their organization, because that really creates perspective. Mm. You know, we get like kind of in our, in our little tunnel vision of what's going on in our, in our world. And when you connect with others outside of that, you go, ah, you take a deep Mm. breath. "Ah, I'm not the only one, or, you know, there are challenges everywhere, or, you know, you you get, um, you get a little focused in on what's going on within your own organization without a broader sense of community, I think the community can really lend itself to perspective.
0: Well, you know, getting outside the organization, you also serve, you've served the, the Dallas HR community. Uh, today, you're serving the HR Southwest Conference. So yes. talk a little bit about like, why why is that important to you? and And how did you you know, how did you change lanes? I mean, cause I hear the reason I want to ask this question is because a lot of people want to do that. They're like, Hey, I'd like to do that, but they just can't figure out how to do that. They don't have time or they yeah. have all these different things going on. How did you, uh, talk a little bit about uh, changing lanes and, and, uh, how hard was that? And, and what does that, what does that mean to you? You know, it's funny because I had a leader
1: once, um, earlier in my career and she was always like you know you really need to network and I don't know if people understand that there are folks that don't know what that means or how mm-hmm. you you go about doing that and so I remember I was um I was in the L&D space at the time and so I was going to a lot of L D trying to get into different organizations and it just wasn't clicking for me and then I got a call a visit from Callie Miller, who we served together mm. on the board. She came, I think she was cold calling us as an organization for what she was doing at the time. And she invited me to a Dallas HR event. I have never felt so welcomed. I mean, it was amazing. So, you know, to your point, if you show up, mm. your network is going to grow. It's a little intimidating, no matter what, it's going to be intimidating. But at Dallas HR anyway, in my experience, people were so open. Like I didn't stand in the corner by myself while little groups of people were, you know, who knew each other were speaking. And then I did the best thing. This was the biggest transformation is I joined the education, the education committee. Mm. And once you get involved in a real meaningful way, it like feeds your soul. It feeds my soul. Like Mm. I say that to my boss all the time. I was at an HR, um, Ed session meeting the other day. And my boss texted me because she knows. And then she was like, how's your meeting? I'm like, I didn't realize how bad I needed this, you know, Mm. just to get around, you know, my network of people.
0: I love that. You know, I uh, heard Sarah Blakely, the former CEO of Spink. She shared the more you experience, the more you can help others. Yes. And I, I get, that's what I'm trying to let people know is that like we, I love how you said it. You talked about uh, leadership is about showing up for others but you also need to be leading yourself and that's about showing up it's, for others isn't
1: it it is absolutely and and I don't you know to your point we get so busy and you know once you start showing up for others it actually becomes a habit it's not mm. something you mm. know it 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 creates leadership behavior habits, if you will, that, you know, maybe you have to think about it for a while, but then ultimately, even inside the grind of the day to day of when you're busy, there's just an automatic way of stopping and showing up.
0: This is fantastic showing up for others. Like we could, I could have, like we could talk about this for a long time. This is fantastic. I love that. Hey, I do want to ask you uh, a couple of things. One of the things that uh, you had posted something on LinkedIn about psychological safety and how innovation is impossible without it. I'm just curious your thoughts Mm -hmm. for those listening. I know that's kind of been one of those topics out there Any thoughts around psychological safety? Because I think it also aligns with what we're talking about, having that sense of belonging, Mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I think I came across
1: psychological safety during COVID um, in some meaningful kind of way, because I think that um, social injustice and all of the things that started happening, we started engaging differently as um, in the workplace, if you will different types of conversations were seemingly okay or should be okay and so it made, it made me start thinking about psychological safety and how if i feel like anything i'm going to say is going to be um not only just judged or shut down but just you know not listened to then number one there's no trust and mm. you know when there's when there's no trust There's no innovation and there's no collaboration because Mm. you can't have innovation without collaboration. So you need to have those walls that are broken down that allow people to to feel free to come to the table. Mm. Um, All of the same opinions are are the same regardless of who you are in the organization. And I think I was experiencing um, leaders who, A lot of leaders like to be in control and during the pandemic in that lack of control over what was happening, I saw some psychological safety walls kind of go up because we were having a harder time showing up for people in the way that they needed because I was going through something myself, you know, we were all kind of going through our own thing. And so, um, you know, I just think of psychological safety as a space that's safe and, isn't going to be, you know, ideas and thoughts aren't going to be judged or all, all of those things will be heard, regardless of whether we
0: apply them or not, they're heard. I love that. And, you know, we talk about, you know, even when people feel like, Hey, I like I belong to something bigger. A lot of times it's just what you said. Hey, my voice is heard here. My ideas are heard. Maybe they're not used, but they hear me (laughs) and they respect it and they value me doing that. And I just, I love everything you're sharing. Hey, what about, um, Last thing before I, before I change lanes (laughs) here. Hey, I want to ask you, like, what about for people that are listening right now and they are dealing with that? Like they're going to a boardroom and I've seen this before where I'm like, Hey, let's bring this up. And someone says, no, don't bring that up. Just report your numbers. And that's all they want to hear. How does somebody like get through that? Any thoughts around that?
1: I think that getting through that is dependent on um, the culture of an organization. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have to make decisions for ourselves in in terms of the organizations that we decide that we want to be a part of. And in some cases, if what you're describing is really starts to no longer align with my own personal values, then you have to make decisions for yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, because some things, you know, might not be able to be changed. You know, I talk a lot about the sphere of control and the sphere of influence. And if you're frustrated by the things that are out of your control, um, you know, we do, we just have to make decisions for what's best for ourselves and our own
0: well-being. and,
1: you know, being brave enough to make that decision and make a change. If, if that's what's, you know, what you're needed to do needing to do at that point in your career.
0: I appreciate you sharing that. I know there's somebody probably listening right now that's like, I needed to hear that. I'm just like, I'm in a different place and I'm just trying to figure out, you know, find my lane, I guess, if you will. Hey, I want to I want to ask you this question, because there's probably some people that are listening, uh, maybe their early career, mid career. But they're thinking, I want to continue to grow and I want to develop to become a vice president of human resources or a leader in the organization. I don't know any tips that uh, you that have helped you along your development, because I know when we talk about development, that's your lane. Anything you would share with the audience about what they might think about doing to continue growing in their career? I think, you know, there are a couple of things, you know, at this point in my career, as I look back,
1: um, I think, patience. I know that sounds, Mm. I know that sounds crazy, but there has to be a good amount of patience because things will come in their own time. Mm. You know, for me, when I was earlier in my career, things weren't moving fast enough. I wanted to be promoted. I wanted to have, you know, all the things. And, and eventually when you take a deep breath, stay patient, keep learning and stay curious, it'll come, it'll, it'll come. You've got, we all have a lot to learn and, so keep learning along the way, it, it, it'll it'll come if if you're patient and you're continuing to learn and grow, which is not always easy.
0: Yeah. We're uh,
1: ambitious and, you know.
0: (laughs) Yes. uh, Patience. I love that. Patience, young grasshopper. (laughs) Uh, I love that. Oh my gosh. This has been so much fun. Hey, before I shift over to it's time to accelerate. I always like to ask my guests about advice eh, because I learned so much from my guests. Have you ever been given any advice? It was just so good. Maybe it was early career, mid career. It was so good. You just find yourself sharing with others. You know, it's all the things that, that we've been
1: talking about, you know, like the be patient or being given opportunities, you know, it's been more than words. It's been actions for me just in that being given opportunity is like better than any words could, could be, you know, so not necessarily one thing, but I just think, you know, that whole idea of of being patient and making sure that your number one thing is to serve others and not yourself, Mm -hmm. I think is, is something that is advice or, you know, an experience that I had at Brinker when it really was about always about others. And that's probably something that I've taken. The thing that I've taken with me most, um, most cherished is just that whole idea of serve others.
0: That's fantastic advice. I will tell you that when I'm talking, especially to college students, they'll say, hey, mm-hmm. you know, what are you know, what's a tip? And I'll say, listen, if you just serve, and let me exactly. just tell you, sometimes serving is just giving someone a smile. Like yes. it doesn't have to be big. <laughs> but That's it's about- what
1: I always try to tell leaders. Like it's so easy. It it is so easy because it takes very little. We are we are simple people. We just need a little attention. I mean, you know, my boss says that all the time. People don't want feedback; they want attention, and and that's so true. So, it, it, I love that. I love yeah,
0: that. I do too. I I heard uh, one of my former guests, uh, Suzanne Myers. Uh, said it's the easy, hard stuff because you just said it's easy, but yet it's so hard, right? Because if you're not focused on it, it's very hard. But if you're focused on it, it's very easy to, (laughs) Hey, you know what? I just talked to Danny and she's passionate about this. And I come across an article or something about that. And I share that like, that's really easy, but if you're not focused on serving her, yeah. it yeah. can be very hard. And so I love that. This has been so much fun. I I'll tell you, I could go for hours with you. You are so energizing. I love this. I'm going to shift over to it's time to accelerate as we okay. uh, conclude the show here. Hey, first question i like to ask is, would you rather read a book or listen to a podcast?
1: <laughs> I- I hate aging myself. Read a book.
0: I'd rather read a book. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You like underlining, <laughs> highlighting, folding the corners of pages. Shush. Yes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yes. I love that. Hey, I will tell you, I've given some presentations around great leaders or grateful leaders because I think that's a very common thread. What are you, what are you grateful for?
1: I'm grateful for so much. I'm grateful, you know, first of all, I'm grateful for my health and I'm grateful for my family. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity for this, you know, this position that I'm that I'm given today because it is like another transformation in my career. I'm learning so much um and I'm just really thankful for that. And you know, I'm thankful for my HR network. I'm just, mm. you know, and I'm really thankful for my team. I have an amazing team, by the way, like the
0: most amazing team. Mm. I love that. They're going to yeah. appreciate you sharing that. I bet they're grateful for you too. Oh, I and, hope so. and I'm grateful for you for coming on to the show today and just sharing perspective. Cause I know people are Same. going to get a lot out of this. Hey, I do want to ask you, I'm, I've been energized by this conversation. Uh, what energizes you like maybe outside of work? Cooking. I, oh. cook. I, I, I love to cook. I love to cook. I'm pretty
1: social. So I have a pretty social calendar. So that makes me happy. Getting home to my family is probably mm-hmm. the most energizing thing that that happens to me, where I just take a step back in time, because that's kind of what it is, um, <laughs> and just appreciate things slow and yeah. you know surrounded by people that I love. And that recharges me anyway.
0: I love that. I love that. Hey, uh, last question. Denny, 10 years older, is around the corner knocking at your door, and you're going to go answer that door. What's she going to tell you? Um, I think she'll say
1: you were good enough. Mm. Like, don't fret. Stop fretting. I love that. Don't you're fret.
0: Don't fret. Yeah, it's going enough. to be okay.
1: That's right. You're good enough.
0: You've done a good job. I love yes. that. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your perspective. Hey, yeah. someone heard you share something today that they're like, you know what? I want to, I want to connect with Danny. I want to follow Danny. How's the best uh, way for someone to connect with you? LinkedIn. I'm LinkedIn. on LinkedIn all the time. So yes, absolutely.
1: I'd love to hear and connect with, with anyone who um, is so
0: desires to. That'd be awesome. Love that. I will put your link in the show notes. And when you connect with Denny, be sure and let her know you heard her on life in the leadership lane, let her know like something she shared Uh, That makes the the connection so much deeper. And so, again, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate everything. you. I can't wait to see you at the HR Southwest Conference. That's coming up October the 15th through the 18th. If you want to know more, you can register at hrsouthwest.com. Get involved. And, hey, it's going to be a great time. So, Denny, I appreciate you. And mostly, I appreciate your friendship. Thank you. Same. I appreciate you, Chris. Awesome. I can't wait to share this. I'll talk to you later. All right.